Chapter 9 of The Complete Works of Artemis Ward, Part 2, War, by Charles Farrar Brown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9, Touching Letter from a Gory Member of the Home Guard. Broadway, December 10th, 61. Dear Father and Mother, we are all getting along very well. We mess at Delmonico's. Do not repine for your son. Some must suffer for the glorious stars and stripes, and dear parents, why shouldn't I? Tell Mrs. Sculler that we do not need the blankets she so kindly sent to us as we bunk at the St. Nicholas and Metropolitan. What our brave lads stand most in need of now is fruitcake and waffles. Do not weep for me. Henry Adolphus End of chapter 9 Chapter 10 of The Complete Works of Artemis Ward, Part 2, War, by Charles Farrar Brown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10. In Canada. I'm at prison existing under a monocle form of government. In other words, I'm traveling through the crowned heads of Canada. They ain't pretty bad people. On the contrary, they're exceeding good people. True, they are deprived of many blessings. They don't enjoy, for instance, the priceless boon of war. They haven't any American eagle to unchain, and they ain't got a Fourth of July to their backs. Although this is a monocle form of government, I am unable to perceive much monarchy. I tried to get a piece in Toronto, but failed to succeed. Mrs. Victoria, who is Queen of England and has all the luxuries of the markets, including game in its season, don't bother herself much about Kennedy, but lets her do about as she might her. She, however, generally keeps her supplied with a lord who's called a governor-general. Sometimes the politicians of Kennedy make it lively for this lord, for Kennedy has politicians, and I expect they don't differ from our politicians, some of them being gifted and talented liars, no doubt. The present Governor-General of Kennedy is Lord Monk. I saw him review some volunteers at Montreal. He was accompanied by some other lords and dukes and generals and those sorts of things. He rode a little bay horse, and his clothes wasn't any better than mine. You'll always notice, by the way, that the higher up in the world a man is, the less good harness he puts on. Hence, General Halleck walks the streets in plain citizen's dress, while the second lieutenant of a volunteer regiment piles all the brass things he can find onto his back and drags a forty-pound sword after him. Monk has been in the Lord business some time, and I understand it pays, though I don't know what a Lord's wages is. The wages of sin is death and postage stamps. But this has nothing to do with Monk. One of Lord Monk's daughters rode with him on the field. She has golden hair, a kind, good face, and wore a red hat. I should be very happy to have her pay me and my family a visit at Baldensville. Come and bring your knitting, Miss Monk. Mrs. Ward will do the fair thing by you. She makes the best slapjacks in America. As a slapjackist, she has no equal. She wears the belt. What the review was all about, I don't know. I haven't a gigantic intellect, which can grasp great questions at once. I am not a Webster or a Seymour. I am not a Washington or a Old Abe. Fur from it. 
I am not as gifted a man as Henry Ward Beecher. Even the congregation of Plymouth Meeting House in Brooklyn will admit that. Yes, I should think so. But while I don't have the slightest idea as to what the review was for, I will state that the soldiers look pretty scrumptious in their red and green clothes. Come with me, gentle reader, to Quebec. Quebec was surveyed and laid out by a gentleman who had been afflicted with the delirium tremens from childhood, and hence his ideas of things was a little irregular. The streets don't lead anywheres in particular, but everywheres in general. The city is built on a variety of a perpendicular hills, each hill being a trifle worse nor t'other one. Quebec is full of stone walls and arches and citadels and things. It is said no foe could ever get into Quebec, and I guess they couldn't. I don't see what they'd want to get in there for. Quebec has seen lively times in a warlike way. The French and Britishers had a set to there in 1759. Jim Wolfe commanded the latters, and Joe Montcalm the formers. Both were hunky boys and fit nobly. But Wolfe was too many measles for Montcalm, and the French was slewed. Wolfe and Montcalm was both killed. In harder years, a common monument was erected by the generous people of Quebec, aided by a bully earl named George Dalhousie. To these noble fellows, that was well done. During the Revolutionary War, B. Arnold made his way through dense woods and thick snows from Maine to Quebec, which is one of the hunkiest things ever done in the military line. It would have been better if B. Arnold's funeral had come off immediately on his arrival there. On the Plains of Abraham there was once some tall fighting, and ever since there had been a great demand for the bones of the slewed on that occasion. But the real genuine bones was long ago carried off, and now the boys make a handsome thing by carting the bones of hosses and sheep out there and selling them to intelligent American tourists. Taking a professional view of this dodge, I must say that it betrays genius of a lofty character. It reminded me of an inspired feat of my own. I used to exhibit a wax figure of Henry Wilkins, the boy murderer. Henry had, in a moment of inadvertence, killed his uncle Ephraim and walked off with the old man's money. Well, this statue was lost somehow, and not supposing it would make any particular difference, I substituted the full-grown statue of one of my distinguished pirates for the boy murderer. One night I exhibited to a poor but honest audience in the town of Stoneham, Maine. This, ladies and gentlemen, said I, pointing my umbrella, that weapon which is indispensable to every true American, to the statue, this is a lifelike wax figure of the notorious Henry Wilkins, who in the dead of night murdered his uncle Ephraim in cold blood. A sad warning to all uncles having murderers for nephews. When a mere child, this Henry Wilkins was compelled to go to the Sunday school. He carried no Sunday school book. The teacher told him to go home and bring one. He went and returned with a comic songbook. A depraved proceeding. But, says a man in the audience, when you was here before, your wax figure represented Henry Wilkins as a boy. Now Henry was hung, and yet you show him to us now as a full-grown man. How's that? 
the figure has growed, sir. It has growed, I said. Oh, I was angry. If it had been in these times, I think I should have informed again him as a traitor to his flag and had him put in Fort Lafayette. I say I do to Quebec with regret. It is old fogeyish, but chock full of interest. Young gentlemen of a romantic turn of mind, who are bothering their heads as to how they can spend their father's money, had better see Quebec. Altogether, I like Kennedy. Good people and lots of pretty girls. I wouldn't mind coming over here to live in the capacity of a duke, uh, provided a vacancy occurs, and provided further I could be allowed a few star-spangled banners, a eagle, a boon of liberty, etc. Don't think I've skedaddled. Not at all. I'm coming home in a week. Let's have the Union restored as it was, if we can. But if we can't, I'm in favor of the Union as it wasn't. But the Union, anyhow. Gentlemen of the editorial corps, if you would be happy, be virtuous. I, who am the emblem of virtue, tell you so. Signed, A. Ward. End of chapter 10